Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. So there is a Christmas song that we sing during this time of year often that we just sung, uh, Joy to the World. You're familiar with it. But it occurred to me around this time last year, and I guess I should even say some months uh, prior to that, that I was not really experiencing a lot of joy. And I want to go ahead and tell you guys, over the course of the next four weeks, this is not going to be one of those really feel-good Christmas series, which is what I typically like to do. It will be very honest. Um, it, it will be uh, biographical in a lot of ways, because what it has to do with is what I've learned a lot of in, in 2021 as I've sought to as I've sought to try to overcome some of my own uh, struggles, all right? So I was looking at this and I thought to myself, I had a great job, you know, actually two great jobs. I have, I have two wonderful jobs, a wonderful home, a wonderful family, money in the bank, uh, get to take nice vacations, not the typical worries and concerns that a lot of people have, but the truth is at my core, I was not experiencing a lot of joy. I'm saying this because I believe that there are some of you in here right now that can relate to what that feels like. You're not necessarily in a bad situation in your life, and there may not be a lot of bad things right now happening in your life. But for whatever reason, when we talk about joy and what joy really means, which we want to closely define and look at, in this series, the truth is, and maybe you've been a follower of Jesus, you know that you're saved, you know that you have eternal life, you know that you have all of these wonderful things, but for whatever reason, you find yourself, and this is how I was, at, at, at any time it felt like there was a major or a minor frustration that was going on, just something that had the ability to get under my skin to constantly have an impact on the joy that I was able to experience. Now, I'm going to be real honest, because this, the, the person that you see here on Sunday sometimes, and the person that I am uh, when I'm alone or I'm around certain family members, is not always necessarily the exact same person. I try to be real honest about that, about my struggles, but I am just like the rest of you, geared and designed a certain way and some of the ways that I'm geared and designed are not necessarily always pleasant. I, I try to be self-aware, like self-awareness, recognizing my blind spots, knowing my shortcomings, those kinds of things have been very important to me over the last few years. So my general disposition, and those closest to me would, my mother would agree with this, my, my dad would agree with this, my wife would agree with this, but my general disposition in life is slightly agitated at all, at all times, all right? Slightly agitated with a hint of um, condescending or, or patronizing ignorance, all right? 
that is, that is probably covering up some repressed insecurity that I just haven't, I'm not that far into therapy, all right, that I've just not figured out just yet. But there's a lot going on below the surface, and people who are around me sometimes will, sit, will, will, will mention the good parts about my personality, but they may also say sometimes he doesn't seem completely happy. He doesn't seem completely satisfied. Like, how much further does something have to go? And unfortunately, sometimes I even take these things out on other people. And I'm just being as real as I possibly can because I believe that joy is something that is very important. Now, I have managed to find the cure for this, all right? And the cure for this is life in the Spirit, all right? So life in the Spirit actually does have the ability to take care of of every one of these issues and create a posture of joy in a person's life. The difficult part about this is that this is a process, so it's very difficult to maintain all of the time. All right, it can be very difficult to maintain all the time, but this is something I'm working on. But like many of you, what I find in my life is a, a giant step forward that feels so positive and so wonderful, and I can tell that God is working through situations, and God is really doing something, only then to take two steps back. And I'm saying all this because I know for a fact that this is relatable to some of you. And some of you are, are not, you know, you're nudging your spouse right now. Corey might be saying, Rob, you need to hear this. Or other people say, you know, you, you need to hear this. You need to hear what he's saying right now, because when you come home from work, you immediately, sorry, Rob, I'm not even directly talking about Rob. You directly like explode or just all of a sudden there are all these problems and all these things that are wrong or no one ever meets your expectations in your life. And I think that this is a very, very serious problem. While reading a Christian publication earlier in the year, Relevant Magazine, if you're familiar with, with Relevant Magazine, I was actually reading an article specifically on joy because I was seeking help. Of course, you go to the Bible verses and things like that, but I was looking for some pointers um, from some other Christian writers. And I came across these, these four details or these four ways of being in the world that I have considered to be a solution for this. Now, again, the solution ultimately is life in the spirit. But this is what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks that are so, so important. Here they are. The first one is this. If you want to experience true fundamental Christian joy, and if you want to express the gifts of the spirit, let's take like the top five believers in this church. And what we mean by this is maybe they've been a Christian for a really long time and they are very, very spiritually mature. But even some of these individuals that we could look at, we could say, well, well they're not very gentle. Well, they're not really good with self-control. Well, they're not really good with this or that. So we take the fruits of the Spirit. We recognize that maybe they have really grown in a lot of ways, but they're not really manifesting a life in the Spirit. All right, so here are the four. Celebrate your lack of control. This is very very scriptural. Celebrate your lack of control. Raise your hand if you're a control freak, all right? Uh, all five of us, you guys are a bunch of liars, all right? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask your spouse instead, or I'm going to ask your kids instead. We want to try, and, and some of you aren't, 
Okay, some of you are go with the flow. You don't care. You're comfortable taking a back seat. That's perfectly fine. But if you have some issue with control, will you raise your hand? Okay, still, gosh, man, I'm going to tell you guys are lying in church. More, more honesty, but not completely. Okay, so celebrate. So, there's, so th- today is going to be for about six of us. All right? But we're going to celebrate our lack of control. And by lack of control, we'll, we'll see what that means. Number two, and this one should be obvious. And, and let me say this also. This first one here, celebrate your lack of, of control, is the hardest, I believe. I believe that one's the hardest, okay? Celebrate your lack of control. Number two, practice gratitude. And there are a lot of different ways that you can do this from internal practices to keeping a journal. We'll talk more about what that means next week. Number three, spend time alone. And this doesn't just mean spend time alone, but this means spend time alone with God. And also, and this is the first time in my life I have ever done this. I'm telling the truth. Well, in a very, very long time, have some level of of self-care. Have some level of something that you do that you enjoy that is taking care of you. That is not unbiblical. It is unbiblical to put yourself first, but it is not unbiblical to take care of yourself so that you can do ministry for the long haul. That is not an unbiblical thing. So spend time alone. And then number four, what might be more difficult for some of you introverts, is cultivating life-giving relationships meaning special. I'm not just talking about friendships, though friendships are very important, but I'm talking about certain kinds of friendships in which people are pouring into you, and whenever you get along far enough, you are pouring in to other people. So if you are celebrating your lack of, no, we know the spiritual disciplines, but here's the thing. I'm in the Bible every single day. I'm praying every single day. I am focusing on my relationship with God every single day. And some of you are too. But my foundational belief is that some of you in here are absolutely miserable. And I'm not talking about anxiety because you don't know how you're going to pay your next electric bill. Some of you may be there. I'm not talking about fear because you don't know how the relationship you're in right now is going to turn out. I'm talking about there actually being really, really good things around you. You can even see the power of God manifesting in your individual life and also in the life of this church. But the truth is, there just is no joy. There is no joy. And we could talk about some characteristics that would show that there are no joy. So all these things have one stream in common, and that again is life in the Spirit. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about a lack of control or celebrating the lack of control. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 17, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. We have been looking at so much Scripture in the last few weeks because of this series in Ruth. So we're going to look at just a little bit today, Jeremiah chapter 17, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. And right after we look at these verses, I'm going to give you just a little bit of context with what's going on here. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. The Lord proclaims, cursed are those who trust in mere humans, who depend 
on human strength and turn their hearts from God. We are going to see that there are consequences for this because they will be those who say, this is what they're saying, I'm going to do it myself. I feel like as far as how I manage my money, not surrendering that to God, how I look for a possible spouse, the, uh, the search or the pursuit for a college or a career, everything I do in my life, I feel like it's pretty good in my hands. All right. Israel had this problem as well. And this is what Yahweh tells them. They will be like, and this is the lives of some of you in here. They will be like a desert shrub that doesn't know when relief comes. They will live in the parched lands of the wilderness, in a barren land where no one survives. So if we have a desire to try to control anything in our lives, we are not going to survive. Ultimately, that's what the message is. On the other hand, happier those who trust in the Lord, who rely on the Lord, because this, the alternative, is what their lives are going to be like. They will be like trees planted by the streams whose roots reach down to the water. They won't fear drought when it comes. Their leaves will remain green. They won't be stressed in the time of drought. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they will bear fruit. In Jeremiah, we are viewing the tragic reality of generational unfaithfulness. That's what's going on in this passage. And this is specifically what God is referencing through the prophet Jeremiah. There have been people over and over and over again that have tried to do things on their own. Now, one of the differences for some of you and the Israelites that we're talking about is that most things in your life, you truly have submitted to God, but you find yourself constantly reaching back and trying to grab a hold of things, believing that you can control these things in your life. Now, the result of this is exile. The result of this, as we see what Jeremiah is talking about, is death. And in our passage today, we view the problem with trusting in ourselves and in the blessings that we receive whenever we trust in God instead. And I think that the problem that we see here for the Israelites is the same problem that we often have with control. Some of you in here simply want control over your lives. Others of you in here want control over everything. Like you don't simply want control over your life to make sure your retirement goes the way that you want it to go, to make sure that you have X amount of kids, but you also want to be able to control the government, traffic, and everything other people and everything else in your life. I hope some of you, I hope now if those hands went up, about 75% of you would be honest enough to say that at least to some degree, you have issues with control. 
So joy requires, it requires, it's not optional. Real, authentic joy requires the release of control. You have to let it go. And again, I'll say this. I am in a place where I will do really, really well with this because I don't believe it's an overnight thing. Some things are, some forms of transformation are are instant. And other forms are something that it's a process, but it's a process with these four things that I mentioned. We could say, oh, we need to cultivate life-giving relationships, and we need to to, uh, spend time alone and take care of ourselves. I think the way I understand that, he's saying that I'm supposed to have a pedicure one week, a manicure next week. That's not exactly what I'm saying. But that if we do not follow these things with intentionality, that agitation, that misery, that hurt, it starts to rub off on other people over a period of time, and it makes you a very, very toxic person. Let's just be honest. What good is a pastor who is in the Word on a regular basis that can confess they're not experiencing joy? Isn't that like fundamental Isn't that like one of the most important things that we're supposed to have? have? Isn't that what our salvation is supposed to give us? So it gets deep. Where are the problems? What are we not investigating? What is it that we are so frustrated or unhappy with? There are a million questions that we could ask. So joy requires the release of control, and this is not easy. And here's the thing. To the best of my knowledge, I've been this way my entire life. It's like I'm cursed. Really, with control, it's like I've been this way my entire life. I was talking to my friend John Minton not long ago, and John is the the principal at Elizabethan High School, who in his own right is a very good leader. And he says, Matt, how come when we were kids, anything we played, you always got to be the lead? We played Batman, you got to be Batman. We played Billy the Kid, you got to be Billy the Kid. We played Robin Hood, you got to be Robin Hood. We played Indiana Jones, you got to Because I have issues. That's why. I have problems. I am a dominating personality. Whenever I walk into a room and I think that things can be better, I immediately want things to be better, and I think that I'm the one that can do it, and that's very often not the case. I don't know how many of you follow the Enneagram. It's an ancient Christian test. It's been more modernized in the 20th century, okay? Follows 4th century Christian mysticism, all right? But I'm what's called an Enneagram 3. We all have one of nine numbers. The three is called the achiever, all right? So some of the characteristics in my life, and this, some of you may be threes as well. It's called the achiever or the performer. Self-assured, I'm very self-assured. Charming, maybe. Uh, charismatic, ambitious, competent, energetic, but they're also very status conscious. Like when they walk in a room, they think that they have to bring, I'm not saying this is a point of pride, but when they walk in a room, they think they have to present things a certain way, driven toward advancement, They typically have problems with competitiveness. 
I'm not going to talk about how I made at the time my five-year-old daughter cried when we were playing sorry. And we'll talk about that another day, Callie. Workaholism, I'm just now to the point where I don't take work on vacations. And I've got this whole thing going on where I'm, and this is all part of this joy thing and releasing control to where I'm letting go of a lot of the things that I typically do. And some of you, the point that I'm making whenever I say this is that it's just driven into your DNA. It's just what you are, all right? You have a dominant personality. So when I'm in an unhealthy state of mind, I can experience hardly any joy. And here's the thing. I trust God with the big things. My family, finances, the future, work. But for me, and this is a lot of you, it's the little things. It's the little things that I think that I have to control all of the time. This is how Jeremiah talks about it. The Lord proclaims, cursed are those who trust in mere humans, who depend on human strength and turn their hearts from the Lord. They will be like a desert shrub that doesn't know when relief comes. They can't even tell when relief is coming. They will live in the parched lands of the wilderness, in the barren land where no one survives. It's a situation in which no one gets out alive. Now, let me give you a modern uh, uh, paraphrased translation of this. Cursed are those who believe they can control their lives or the things around them. Now, what's interesting about this is that a lot of these people fall into category, the category of being Christians. They will tell you that they've surrendered their lives, yet they're holding on really, really tightly to their money. They will tell you they have surrendered things in their lives, but they are really holding on to their future. And they are so rigid and so put together in a certain way that they're saying, God, you can have my 10% tithe. God, you can have my Sunday mornings. But these other areas of my life, you see, I'm going to make sure that I can maintain control over those things. I'm going to make sure that I'm holding on to those things. And I believe, and I believe this firmly, and I want you to hear, hear this, men, uh, in this church right now. Through frequent conversations, counseling, um, including marriage counseling, community groups, discipling relationships, and I'm not letting any of the, the ladies in here off the hook, but I recognize this as a problem with middle-aged men like myself with families. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some women in here, uh, some single men, uh, some younger people, some some, uh, seniors here that do not have problems with control. I'm not saying that. 
but I am recognizing a pattern within our body of people that I talk to that is just very clear how they speak with their rigidness, with the way that they are in, in so many different ways that they have a very, very difficult time with control. Now, there is a problem with this. And there's a problem with this, even if this is, this is women, is that has the ability to trickle down into the family and make for a very, very toxic atmosphere on a regular basis. And I can tell you from personal experience, this whole journey for me throughout 2021 has been because of a lot of these kinds of issues that I'm talking about going through myself. As some of you ladies are saying, sure wish my husband was here. But it's a fact that a lot of us are going through this. So I have a very, two very honest questions that I want to ask you. And the first is this. Do you truly experience a deep Christ-centered joy in your life? And what's tricky about this is that some of you have been believers for like 50 years or 60 years or maybe 70 years. You're wonderful people. Some of you are in the Word every single day. Some of you are amazing moms and dads. But the question that I'm asking, I don't mean you're like smiling all the time because that would be creepy. I don't mean like you're bubbling over. I'm talking about when things are hard, when you're in the storm, when, 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 when there's a, a, an, just a daily thing that gets on your nerves because of something that someone said, of course that may upset you. But you're able in everything to say, it is well with my soul. I believe there is some, some conviction. I believe there is some, some emotion in this room right now, because if you were to be completely honest, you would say right now, I don't know that I really possess that kind of joy. I don't know right now. I, I, I love my girlfriend. I love my fiance. I love my joy. I love, I, I love my job. I love my church. But joy? Because I don't believe happiness and joy are the same thing. I believe that happiness, I believe that happiness can be achieved through finances. For some people, I really do. I believe that happiness can be achieved through the, through the solidarity of a family. I know that I've certainly achieved happiness through a family. I believe that happiness can be achieved through the fulfillment of a job, your dream job that you got. I believe that happiness can be fulfilled through travel. For some of us that really love to travel, all right? But we are talking about joy. We are talking about something that goes much, 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 much deeper. 
Joy must be experienced through life in the Spirit. And it doesn't always contain positive emotions. So there is good news today. And the good news is that there is a formula for releasing control. And and please understand this. I am more of a process person. I do not believe this happens overnight. But I do believe that if you are deliberate, I do believe that if you are intentional, and most importantly, if this becomes a deep part of your prayer life, that this is something that you can overcome. Jeremiah offers this in verse 7 and 8. Not cursed are those, but happy are those who trust in the Lord, who rely on the Lord. They will be like trees planted by the streams whose roots reach deep down to the water. They won't fear drought when it comes. Their leaves will remain green. They won't be stressed in the time of drought or fail to bear fruit. There is a continuity. There is a consistency about this lifestyle. And it's where we see the formula, which we'll look at here in just a second. Actually, let's look at it now. The formula is to trust and rely at all times in our lives. Now, uh, for me to say, I've got all my bills paid, or I know that I'm coming back to church tonight for community groups, or I know uh, that my kids are going to be ready uh, for school on, on Monday morning, or whatever that looks like, it's very easy to trust in those moments. But whenever we see ourselves release control, turn it over to God, relationships, let's just take an issue, and and this has not been an issue for me in a very long time as far as single, but this is a very common issue. Sometimes whenever people are single and they desire uh, one day to be married, life can be lonely. Okay, fair enough. All right, I'd like to get married one day, never been married, I'd like to get married. Maybe there's some aspect of, of, of loneliness, all right, that, that, that keeps you from producing joy or feeling joy. Whenever you're on constant dating sites, whenever you're constantly putting yourself out there, whenever you have two, three, four people that you're talking to at the same time, that shows zero trust. And that shows zero reliance. But if you are this 24-year-old woman, if you are this 35-year-old man, and you say to yourself, God, if you want me to be married, if that's something that you want me to have, I am going to trust and rely upon you to make it happen. That is what produces joy. That is what brings joy. Now, I could give you a million other examples of how this works. But when you make the decision to trust and rely with the hard stuff, everything works itself out and you do experience joy. So please understand that when I say trust and rely, this is not simply mental consent. This is not simply saying, Oh, well, sure, I'm going to trust and rely on God. I'm going to give a little bit to the church. I'm going to try to be a good person. I'm, I'm, going, to, 
you know, uh, post this on Facebook. I'm going to, to, to post this on Instagram. I'm going to talk to some people about this. No, it's in those very, very difficult moments. You are surrendering the control that gives you so much power. That gives you so much authority. So what does Jeremiah tell us as we're closing? What does Jeremiah tell us this trust and reliance does? I want you to watch this right here. A brittle brush, all right, which is a desert shrub. A brittle brush has a life expectancy. Remember cursed like a desert shrub, that part of the scripture? A brittle brush has a life expectancy of less than 20 years. Your average tree outside of an urban area has a lifespan. That's just, this is trusting and relying has a lifespan that is much longer. The white oak, 600 years. Red maple, 75 to 150 years. River birch, 75 years. And they will not fear drought. The person that is rooted and the person that is planted is going to be able to continue to flourish and continue to go on despite all of the circumstances that are going on in their lives. So what I'm reading here is that a person that relies on and trusts God, celebrating their lack of control, will live longer, fear less, and bear more fruit. Live longer, fear less, and bear more fruit. I would call that joy. And this is simply one component. So a lot of the agitation that some of you feel, a lot of the, and again, this is not like you're ready to just go into a place and shoot it up. This is something that just festers and builds over time within us. So let's be real. Some of you that are in here today, you're miserable. Some of you may feel as if you have a reason to be miserable. But there are others of you that I'm talking to that everything else around you is going well. But for some reason, there is something within you that continues to rob your joy. It's just a general, honestly, disinterest in life. You have that occasional smash hit of dopamine uh, with music, coffee, shopping, online shopping, especially for some of you, social media, but no real joy. You're occasional, you occasionally boost your serotonin from exercise or from a sunny day, but no real joy. You may find pleasure in sex, pornography, drugs, alcohol, but no real joy. What is joy worth? Let me share an incredible and practical verse that our band talked about this morning, our tech team talked about this morning that's so critical, and we'll close with this. This is Psalm 94, 19. When anxiety 
was great within me. Your consolation or your comfort, your protection brought me joy. And in every single moment that we walk into and we feel as if we have to maintain some level of control, this is a verse that we can remember. When anxiety was within me and we have the desire in that moment to step out and control something, it was your comfort. It was your protection. It was your consolation. It was your hand that brought me joy over and over again. Joy is not the absence of hard moments. Joy is not this picture of life in which everything always goes as planned. Joy is a situation in which we can say in every single moment that God is walking through it with us. This can not be experienced if we continue to maintain control. With all heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed, I think the way that I want to phrase this question as is, is, is we talk about this just for a second is not to ask you again if control is something that you struggle with but instead to ask you I mean if your pastor can admit that it's something they've struggled with I think it's safe to say that this is a pretty safe place but in the last few weeks, in the last few months, and again, I'm not necessarily talking about tragedy. I'm not necessarily talking about what we often refer to as a valley. But for whatever reason, has there been a lack of joy? And I'm talking specifically spirit-given joy in your life. If you would be honest enough to admit that, would you just raise your hand? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Just so that I can be praying for you. Thank you, sir. Anyone else this morning that didn't raise their hand? Thank you. Anyone else? It's hard to come by sometimes. But what we want to do today as we partake a few, a few minutes in the sacraments. The first thing that we want to do is we want to turn over and we want to release this control. And sometimes this is going to require the help of friends, the help of our spouse, the help of our kids, the help of our parents to recognize that this is something that God is calling us to do. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for what this season means. And God, I lift up my brothers and sisters that find themselves in the same area of struggle that I experience as well. 
God, I pray that we are able to surrender the control. Father, that it makes us moody. It makes us frustrated. And more than anything, Father, that turns us away from you. We lift you up and praise your name. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.